I'm Lacey. And I'm Kippen. We're two friends who love to get lost inside a great story. And we're welcoming you to our own little book club. This is One Page More, a podcast. We are here today to discuss Dopamine Nation, Finding Balance in the Age of Indulgence, um, a book written by Dr. Anna Lemke. Snaps for Anna Lemke. Um, I feel like I'm in a weird mental place tonight. No. I feel... I feel so drained like okay so it's this is the second week of summer for me and I've got all four kids home for the first time uh for this long and I don't know just a lot of mental energy keeping these children entertained and um I find myself reaching for those easy dopamine sources quite frequently and I'm really having to <laughs> remember what I learned in this book I mean honestly but the whenever I think of like four kids plus scalding hot Florida weather <sighs> and the combination of I know your children want to be out and about and doing stuff every day oh, yes oh, so yes. it is so I <sighs> I mean, I'm like, I guess what I'm saying is I'm like, if you indulge, would I fault you? (laughs) No, I would not. (laughs) Would Dr. Anna Lemke uh, probably recommend against it? Probably so. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So this book is, it's not all that long, um, but it is a nonfiction book by uh, Dr. Anna Lemke, who is a psychotherapist, I believe. Um. So she is an extremely smart lady who has counseled many, many people, especially through addiction problems. Um, And she kind of took some of the most riveting and captivating stories from patients, which she has their permission to share and shares them in this book. Um, And it's all about dopamine, how it works in your brain, how it relates to the society we're living in right now um, and why we kind of react the way we react to certain stimulus. Uh, It sounds like it could be a little boring or a little heavy handed or a little too complicated. I'm here to say I found this book absolutely riveting and um, not intimidating. I agree for the most part. I will say this is the um, the only other nonfiction that wasn't a memoir that I have read in the past couple of years, other than our another book that we recently covered on the podcast, which was um, uh, The Dance of Anger. Mm-hmm. So I definitely was like comparing the two a lot. Yeah. Which is pretty unfair because this one definitely gives so, 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 so much more of like the scientific like exact reasoning behind it. She gives a lot of um, really interesting um, like case studies that have Mm -hmm. been done like throughout the years. So I definitely was doing a little bit of like, Oh man, like, but the other one was easier for me to digest this one. I listened to the audiobook and I kept having, I think it's six hours long. It probably, I probably listened in like six one hour sessions Mm -hmm. because she would say so much that I would, and I was learning so much that I would just have to stop and just like think about it. And then, like, write my notes down and then just kind of sit there and, like, chew on it for the rest of the day. Like, wow, that was so knowledgeable and, like, great. But I, as, like, a non-scientific thinking person, like, I don't know. (laughs) It really pushed me. Okay, so what's your your star rating? 
I think I'm going to give this book four stars. Okay. I really, I, and I, I really enjoyed it. But like I said, th- th- this is basically <laughs> just a personal preference of like a touch too much of, <laughs> of reading is a pleasure for me. And I don't really think. Uh, okay. Apologies at the top. I have like a weird little dry cough that whatever. I'm sure it's going to be very annoying. Um, I also give this book, well, no, I actually give this book five stars. I absolutely loved it. I do think, and we'll get to it in a second, it has to do with how I read it. And um, I think that could be a barrier for some people. Um, I, I think my one qualm with this book is that I just wanted even more. Like, there are certain things that she touches on very lightly. And drops it? Yes, and just drops it and moves along really quickly. And I think her goal was to make a book that was as accessible as possible for as many people as possible. That's the vibe that I was getting, right? Like, there's a lot of times that she's, like, describing things and using, um, and you wouldn't have had this in the audio version, but even using, like, little pictures or graphs. And it's like, like describe this to me like I'm five years old type of thing and not that she's talking down she just tries to make it a little more simple um Mm -hmm. and then she'll turn around and use like really big words and drop all of these drug names or um like neuroresponder names right so there's like a mix of high and low here but there were things and points in the book that I was waiting for her to mention and she just didn't um she left that open and she does have another book but i think it's more about i I don't think it it goes where i was expecting either so anyway absolutely loved it i i know you talk to graham a lot about the books that you read and i generally don't talk to jared about the books i read especially like the fiction ones i am like i'll just talk to Lacey about it like he he just probably won't care about whatever you know fiction world I'm in but I was stopping every little bit to to tell him something that I read in this book and I thought that he would actually really enjoy it and benefit I can, from I mean but this to me feels like it's right up Jared's alley oh yeah <laughs> so no, to no, me no, I'm totally. like of course you would love this like, yeah so I definitely was stopping all the time and talking to him about this um and I read the ebook on my kindle and it took me like four hours to read the whole thing. Um, I didn't read it all at once. I read it over like my kids had swim lessons this last week. And so when the two-year-old was in her lesson and the baby was sleeping, I'd sneak a little bit of reading it. And then the rest of it, I just read on like one afternoon on Sunday. I think I read over half the book. Okay. Should you, should you listen to it? What, what do you think? Oh, you gotta, I think you gotta read, you gotta read it. I think you are probably right. I will say the book was narrated um, by her and she did a great job. I was Mm -hmm. really, I feel like every time I'm like, oh, like it was written or or like it was narrated by the author. And then I'm always like shocked that it's not. And I'm always, (laughs) of course, but (laughs) she was like very even keeled, like did a great job narrating it. But, and my main thing, and this is my I mean, this is like my personal like qualm. There were so many times she would have a story 
Mm-hmm. And I would be like, I want to hear that story again. And then I'm like, okay, well, there's six hours. Where yep. in this chapter, you know, could this be? And so that was my right. thing. Where I was like, I just want to, I, I'll talk about it later. But there's one little part of a story that's extremely crucial, mm-hmm. extremely. And I literally could not find it. I searched for about an hour and finally I was like, I'm not listening <laughs> to the whole thing again. So never mind. Yeah. And like I said, there are charts in there. There's a few graphs. Um, reading it, actually, we never really talk about this, but reading it on the Kindle was especially good, I think. I mean, listen or read to, read this book however you can get your hands on it, because I think it's really, it just talks about some really important stuff and things that I think would be very helpful for most people. Um but because you were because I was on my Kindle, I could quickly look up a word if I didn't know what it oh, meant. Oh, that's I. Um, I can't tell you how much I love my Kindle now. Yes, even simple stuff like sometimes I'll be reading a book and they will throw in like a random word in Spanish, and I'm like, yeah. "Am I supposed to know this word?" Right. I'll just you know, I just click the little translate button and it just translates, and I'm like, "This is such a great feature." Yes, and <laughs> I'm not a big highlighter with fiction. But with nonfiction, you better believe I was like highlighting up a storm so that I could find those pieces and bits that I was looking for very quickly. Um, She even has like this, you know, extensive bibliography in the back. And I'm not sure if it linked to anything, but it was like, obviously, it's easier on an e-reader to find any other books that she's linking to and things like that. So I, yeah, I love it. And I could totally see this book is not um, super linear. Like she'll start a story and then she'll pick up that thread over and over again throughout the whole book of this one story in, in particular. Um, and so if you want to listen to that part, yeah, it would be really hard to find. That actually drove me very crazy. You're talking about the first story you've got to be. Yes. I can't be like, finish the story and go yes. to another story. <laughs> um Okay, yes, I think it is It is time for us to jump to spoilers. Awesome. <sighs> okay, I don't, I'm, but I'm also at the point where I'm like, where do you even start? Let's see. Uh, okay, so I'll tell you guys right off the bat, a little bit of a trigger here. Obviously, we're talking about dopamine. So that's the, you know, <clears throat> chemical in your brain that makes you feel really good. So she talks very frankly frankly about drug use about masturbation about um i don't even know addiction yeah addiction in general totally um but she 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 also talks about her own kind of addiction which i thought was very helpful i appreciated that so much yeah i loved that Kippen, I read an article her talking about this book where she said she watches, she limits herself to two days a week and no more than two hours of watching American Idol episodes, not episodes, it was American Idol um, YouTube videos. And I was like, honey, wow, you're watching four hours of American Idol videos a week? That's insane. Is that her only screen time? That is a good question. I don't know. She just, she was, um, by the way, did you know this book was written last year? It came out in June of 2021. I was actually very surprised, but I think she was just kind of like touring or whatever. And like, that was um, just something she brought up as her own personal (laughs) 
uh, crutch. It was pretty recent, but that is so funny. How are there even four hours? I mean, I guess American Isle has like a million seasons. What am I talking about? Um, yeah, there's <laughs> it's like 27 seasons. <laughs> <laughs> that is wild, though. Okay, so the first and craziest story, I mean, you jump in to the deep end in this book that she shares. She starts with this guy who's a sex addict, and he is Eastern European he's since moved to America and he like tells this very intense story of his compulsive masturbation. Um, his, I, I don't know. It just goes so far beyond and I don't know how far into the weeds you want to get on it, but it was, you texted me that it was one of the craziest stories that you've ever heard. And it has to be the craziest story I've ever heard. What it starts off, what was so wild to me is it starts off he's such like his, it's like one of his first memories so it's like from the time mm-hmm. he is like toddler age and he talks about this was the big thing that I and she mentions this and I mean it's almost all the stories and she mentions it later on throughout the book but it's like the ratcheting up so at first you know it's the individual yeah. activity then it's you doing it with friends and then he finds more um devious ways (laughs) yes right to to experience this he's bringing in tools eventually like he's he's going missing like work conferences and things because he's so wrapped up he finds pornography which isn't accessible to his country but it is whenever he's traveling for work Mm -hmm. he eventually gets into chat rooms he is videoing himself like as he's experiencing this he's having like a dominatrix style woman like you know don't like there's just I just kept being it was like a mouth I don't know a a jaw dropping I guess I should say he literally not to make this too explicit because I mean we'll give you spoilers but you need to just read this for yourself he there's too many layers even begin to go into totally but at like the peak of his addiction he sets up basically a tens unit that he uses to uh find pleasure and he has the dominatrix lady like remotely using it from her house and then like broadcasting himself using it over the internet and that's when his wife finds out i was literally like like, (laughs) leaves him um I think she she stuck around for a while and whenever he wouldn't stop her she said like another therapist her therapist is like honey come on get out of there (laughs) thank you for good therapy (laughs) and really like you know he just had a problem that he just like it was it just grew so much bigger than himself because at this point I think he was like 60 years old and it's like almost his whole life yeah right he'd been like struggling and he'd been constantly building up to like a new and more aggressive form of like enjoyment. And so he got to a point where it was like, okay, like, I, you know, what do I do? Like I, I would destroy my machine. And two days later, the compulsion's back and I build the machine yeah. and I use it. And then I feel sorrow because I used it. And you know, this like cycle of. So one amazing thing about this book to me, I'm not, I'm sure it's the way she wrote it and just the, the frankness and the language that she uses. You still, like, I didn't read this and think, like, what a disgusting sexual pervert. Like, obviously what he's doing is very strange and it's very extreme. But I, I felt a lot of compassion for him 
and she did a good job of like reflecting that compassion i mean she's her she's his therapist she's a psychotherapist so she she wants him to succeed at some point um so she i don't think she's particularly religious but she counsels him like if you're feeling that way because like he'd go to a hotel room and put um, post-it notes everywhere just like that says like don't do it don't do it don't do it and he would still do it and he would just feel literally like suicidal almost and he she was like you need to just drop to your knees and pray and, well remember he was religious so right, he she right. was drawing off of his his faith right which i really appreciated that she took that into account that would be something for him that could kind of I don't know. I just really liked that, that she that would kind that of center, center him and kind of be like, wow, like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I need outside assistance. Like, you know, a lot of people do find like help in, yeah, in totally. saying a prayer, you know, like a simple thing. Exactly. Yeah. She, she mentions his story several times. And so he, and his was definitely the most shocking. You're right though. I felt the same way where I definitely wanted to hear more because it was so like, <gasps> like yes. yes. But not like, yeah, I, I mean, one thing whenever, you know, he's talking to her and he, and, you know, she tells like his very frank feelings where it's like, he really loathes that he's like this, but he just can't get past the compulsion. Yeah. And I mean, almost every story is like that. There was very few cases where it was people that like, were very like, oh, I have to be here. Mm-hmm. Most of her cases they wanted outside help. Right. And these people are all over the map that she's sharing. It's not like there's one profile for a person here and I think that becomes very apparent as you read the book that's like no one is immune to these to addiction in one form or another like we can all fall prey to these dopamine kind of like dopamine seeking tendencies and then for some people they just like really go off the rails she even talks about I mean this is like way farther in the book but in alcoholism and like obviously people have always or people in recent scientific history have found that there are, you know, genetic and inherited um, ways that people can have worse off alcoholism. But like it's new research shows that that's it's not like a curse. It's not like you're destined to be an addict just because your father was or whatever. Like there's all of these different kind of nature versus nurture things that go into play with that oh for sure and i she i feel like she focuses i mean so we've talked about like some of the big things like in the kind of a next big segment she goes into it's like opioids but she constantly brings up things like you know the pleasure pain balance mm-hmm. uh, self-binding so she goes into i don't know like what what causes a problem how you further the problem, how people begin to do things like self-binding to begin to stop the problem mm-hmm. and like, you know, the whole shebang. Yeah. Self, <laughs> self-binding would be like, okay, I uh, tend to binge eat. And so to get away from that, I'm just not going to buy And I always binge eat cookies in the middle of the night. So I'm not going to buy cookies anymore. I'm just going to. I'm a- <laughs> I'm pretty sure that one, the best example, I could not get over it. I actually stopped and I did tell Graham this too, where uh, I believe the self-binding was where 
the man, he had a gambling addiction, sports gambling. And so whenever he finally got to the point where he was like, okay, I need to stop. He stopped watching sports news. He stopped Mm -hmm. listening to sports news. He wouldn't buy the newspaper that had like the sports news. He called like the local casinos and put himself on the do not admit list. I was really like the, do you know how hard that is? Like really to confront yourself and to truly take away every means of, of, you know, like, like that means like you're not going to a bar. You, you know yeah. what I mean? Like you, um, you might not even go to a restaurant. Think of like, you know, you go to Applebee's and it's got, you know, the NBA games on the screen. <laughs> so it's like really like eliminating as much as possible mm-hmm. and taking it out of your life. So it's not even a problem. But anyways, I, I love that example. I was like, wow, that was, I admire this man so much. Seriously. Um, so one of the things that I remember just being kind of shocked over was early in the um, book, she talks about the rise of these like opioid drugs mm-hmm. and how, you know, it starts with, oh, not morphine, but what was it? Anyway, it starts with like opium and then they, they invent morphine. And then after that, they're like, wow morphine is like it works great it's great but it it's super addictive we need to figure out something that is like still kills the pain but it's less addictive and was it heroin heroin and after that then they go on and invent um like fentanyl and all of these other opioids and it's like every single time they try and say like okay but this time we're really like we're really gonna fix the problem it's not gonna be addictive they make it like 300 times more addictive. listen i was like are that, you kidding me i mean i guess that really goes to show like the the like science like you know what i mean like you've got to you get your hypothesis you try it out you realize <laughs> it was the worst mistake of all time and then you reel it back in Right, but like Pandora's box is open now. I know, like, right, and then it's like exposed into the streets. And then and um, just her showing the scale, it was like, okay, if you have an orgasm, your dopamine hits like a hundred. But if you take a sh- oh. like a hit of heroin, it's like five hundred times the strength of that. And I I'm like, was okay. so got that away makes, with all that. That makes more sense of why people are so addicted to this. She shared several different little things too. I, I, oh man, I just read that article. I wish I would have saved it because yeah, it was like, this is 50%. And it was like something like you kind of like, uh-huh. and then sex and then drugs and well, something else. Like it just kept getting worse and worse. Mm-hmm. It was like times a thousand. I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. She talks, uh, I wrote this quote down where she just said like, you know, for opioids, we have lost the ability to tolerate minor forms of discomfort mm. and we seek to be entertained. And I was that. like, well, she even says that like our conversations with people that a lot of times we're not even having conversations anymore. We're just entertaining one another. And I was like, oh, God. like, how, I hate to be called out. How many like text threads do you have or Instagram message threads you have where it's just like you and a friend just sending memes back and forth and like that's fine and good especially if you like I have plenty of good conversations right like that's not an issue for me but I think for a lot of people that's like that's almost like the extent of their friendships 
it's the surface level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite sad. That that really kind of got me too because I was thinking like, I, you know, it's like the second you like, you, well, I mean, in all things, it's not you know not that big of a deal, but it's like you know, the heartburn is like rush to get the tums, uh-huh. or like you know what I mean, like that's a it's that a hundred degree fever where's the tylenol right like, you know you're sprinting to like take away any form and i'm like oh that's just so true i we gotta i we need to talk about her um her own personal story mm. of, of her addiction because uh, i was like so interesting as readers i'm like oh totally get yes. it i understand it and this is like all of bookstagram is it i'll it's toxic. We've talked about this before where I'm like, this is, something's wrong here. So she talks about how she fell hard for the Twilight series. She was a Twi mom um, and I think she said she was like in her 40s maybe when she started re- reading Twilight and she specifically became addicted after that. Like read every paranormal romance you could ever think of. And then she got an e-reader and she just kept reading like more and more intense um, erotica, I think. Yeah. And and that it didn't matter if the books were good. Didn't matter if they were poorly written. It didn't matter if the plot was interesting. She just like wanted that build up to the extent where she would pretty much just like read to a certain point in the book, probably like the big sex scene. And then, and then it's not interested anymore. Yeah. It, and it, you've hit your high and you're yep, done. And she would move along and that she was just like, I don't know if she gives a number or not, but like consuming hundreds of these novels and it was repl- and like hiding behind the e-reader so like she could read anywhere and nobody was seeing her embarrassing romance novel cover or whatever. And that she just finally was like, this is not the way I want to be spending my time. Like in the middle of, you know, the Fifty Shades of Grey, whatever. Right. Well, when she talks about like how it is, is consuming her so much that she's like staying up late at night. Mm-hmm. Right. It's bothering her family life. It's bothering her work life. Like, so it's like really. <laughs> Do you hear the baby? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I, I think I'm going to have to go nurse her. Okay. Well. All right. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. Let, let, let's literally jump right in. Yes. We got some stuff to do. Okay. We're back. Um, as mothers to a total of seven uh, and a half children, <laughs> there is often many a time on a podcast whenever a child's crying in the background. Actually, my youngest was crying a minute ago, <laughs> but I, I believe she dealt with it herself. Anyways. <sighs> We are occasionally interrupted, but I have so many freaking notes. I'm like, let's, let's get in. Let's just churn and burn. Yes. Okay. Um, so I think one of the last things we were talking about was like opioid addiction. And we talked about how we don't like discomfort. And she just talked about like how, um, so often we use drugs as a basic, um, like lack of self-care where we think it's a mental illness and and like she just was like I felt like she just was going in so hard she was mentioning some of the things that we do like a lot of us like just couch surf some of us binge um you know stupid little shows or we scroll on Facebook or other social media sites for an hour some of Mm -hmm. us read the romantic novels that she was talking about like we just we almost we all have like something yep that we devote our time to whether it's some of the more extreme things 
or whether it's some of these lesser things, but we've all got something. And it's like, you know what? <coughs> we've had a hard day. How are we going to dole it out? I am so, you know, I am. I am so bad about stuff like, like a sweet, a, oh a I, I was shopping earlier and I bought myself some of like the chewy Laffy Taffy, whatever stupid candies, but mm-hmm. so good. I specifically let, like, I ate a couple and left them in my car because if I leave them in my car, I'm usually too lazy <laughs> to, like, go outside and, go like, find my car keys uh-huh. and go get it. But I had the, the strongest craving for them earlier, and I was like, no, oh, you can withstand. <laughs> you must withstand. It's hard. Oh, okay. So this is a weird thing about me, and it's, uh, I'm not proud of it, but it is, it is what it is. So when I'm really stressed out, you you already know this, but I I can I sleepwalk sometimes, and often I will like eat in the middle of the night, and it's always peanut butter, and I so lately I've been trying to do intermittent fasting, and it's not that hard because I don't eat breakfast very often, so. It's like I want to stop eating at like seven and then not eat again until like 11, say, the next day. Well, <laughs> I, I, will think, I will think that I'm doing just fine, just completely fine. And then in the morning, I'll go in and just be like doing my thing and see that there's like a dirty spoon in the sink. Where I'm like, I have gotten up and I've eaten peanut butter. And I know that, like, I'm not on any drugs. It's not like I'm on Ambien or something. I don't know what it is. But I'm like, it's got to be related just to that stress level. And it's all coming out. I don't even know. What am I stressed about? I mean, (laughs) life in general. (laughs) There's a lot going on. Right. She talks a lot about like uh, specifically cannabis and like all these people that she has mm-hmm. coming in. And it's like they are taken. There's one girl that she talks about specifically that's like a teen that goes in there because like her parents are making her. And as she is listing off the various things that My she gosh. either uses, it, I was, it, the like, list was so expensive. How does she afford it? As a 17 year old, I would also like to know this. I, Kippen, I am not joking. Whenever I tell you, I have memories of going to a gas station with two dollars to yes, put in two dollars in my tank. I Can I? Could I have afforded recreational drugs? Oh and my gosh! Like I said, the variety that she was getting. She's talking right? edibles. She's talking her wax pen. She's like every time she was just saying stuff. I just was like, "Wow, honey, no wonder your parents want you in here." It's I like, know you. You going hard in the paint, right? Because. And and how often did you hear, like, when you were a teenager, like, oh, but, like, weed is not addictive. Like, you can't be addicted to weed. And it's like, you absolutely can. <laughs> For sure. Um, <laughs> if I can be addicted to eating peanut butter, <laughs> then you can be addicted to smoking marijuana. Get over it. Okay, let's see. Yeah, and so she, and she, then she talks about like how you know, then that becomes the fear of like, oh, I can't, I can't do without that. Yeah, and I definitely was like, oh, I am the worst about like using my crutch mm-hmm. or like you know, like whatever that may be at the time, and then be like, yeah, I can't live without it. The 
The so she- sheer thought of me honestly going without sweets. Oh my gosh. That, that's so stupid. I know. Yes. As I verbalize this, I'm like, I sound like an idiot. <laughs> but honestly, it's, it's I feel like the personal devastation I would go through, yeah. the withdrawals I would go through. I, and she mentions that so much too, where it's like, you just have to recognize it's going to get hard mm-hmm. when you quit. Like, you know, maybe at first, first couple of days you're fine, but then you're going to go into like serious withdrawals. Even if it's, you know, and we're not talking meth addicts that are going through like, right. you know what I mean? But like even these other things that we've talked about, these other addictions, you still go through the withdrawal process. She talks about too, about people who, um, when they would come in and they would see themselves as the victim and like, mm-hmm. uh, like that role, how they're just like not ready for help yet. You know, these are people that are like, Oh, I'm court ordered to be here or, yeah. you know, whoever I live with is like threatening, they're, they're threatening to kick me out or divorce <laughs> me or whatever. So it's like, yeah, they're not mentally in a place where they're ready to well, right. grapple with Cause what's you're going your on. own worst enemy and nobody can force you into getting better. Like that's something that I've learned again and again and again over my life. So you can't force someone to change or be better or choose a certain path. Um, here's my, this is like my one little qualm with the book, but again, I guess this just really wasn't her intention. I was really looking at this book and hoping she would go more into like screen addiction and phone addiction. She touches on it and like she touches on the fact that there's a lot of things in our life now that are super duper addictive, but it's just not practical to totally give them up and how we have to learn to like live in that middle zone but then she doesn't give any pointers for how to actually do that. I'm pretty sure, is that the one where she was talking about, like, teens and, like, their new, the amount mm-hmm. of time they're spending on here? Yeah. She, she in in my humble opinion, she dropped the ball on that one. Yeah. She talked about the shopping addiction of, specifically, like, there was a case where a person was, like, tens of thousands oh of dollars in debt. Oh, my gosh. I forgot and they, about that. And how they wanted those, like, the high they would get from their Amazon packages. And they she said it would be, like really cheap crap just like mm-hmm. you know but it's just like oh i got a package and yep. then like how you know and she she didn't mention it again um i just and <laughs> that to person me, by the those way those two things they're binding more. do you remember that he would order the cheapest thing he could find <laughs> and then open it and then immediately return it so that he can <laughs> keep up the addiction. i was like holy cow sir that's wild. the <laughs> <laughs> oh, you think at some point that Amazon or whoever his um, service may be would be like, sir, you have hit your number of returns. And Seriously. unfortunately, we will not be providing this for free. Seriously. Um, but yeah, I you're not going to find that in this book. You're going to find some like strictures, right? Like kind of her, she gives this rundown at the end of the book of things that you can do. But she's not heavy handed with like, this is how I think that you should live this is what how many hours a day I think you should do. This is what I think you should do to avoid X, Y, and Z addiction. Um, one thing that was kind of like a fun thing to read about to me was her talking about uh, the pain scale and like how that presses on a different part of your brain and it like increases dopamine in a different way. The, the pleasure versus pain like that yes was, that yes was, i agree and she specifically talks a lot about um ice baths and like cold water therapy 
and I thought that was so interesting. Like at first I thought she was going to go into like how it was bad because the guy that she was kind of interviewing, it really, he was addicted to cocaine at some point. And then he kind of fought against that by starting to do ice baths. Um, and he was pretty extreme where he would do it like every single day. He had this like machine type thing that he built where he was like sitting in this crazy cold water temperatures right but she actually was like into it and but you know what i was actually scared about whenever he started talking about how him and his wife and their kids and the neighbors and their kids i was like sir you took it a step too far Oh, but you know what? I'm seeing stuff all over Instagram of people who are buying like old chest freezers and no. filling them with water. And <gasps> that's like their daily ice bath that they get into. You know, I, that's kind of, you know, she talks about, I wrote it, I think I wrote it down under pleasure. She said, you know, it's hard to go against the pleasure. Mm-hmm. And so that's, and to me, I'm like, oh, that's definitely the category I fall in because things like cupping, the extreme exercise. Mm, yeah. She talks about, what is his name? Alex, um, Alex Hon- Honnell. Hon- yeah. Whenever she was talking about him, I was thinking about, um, that documentary that you had me watch. I can't remember Free what the guy Solo or the other one. Mm. The, the ice oh. guy the alpinist yes. yes the alpinist i'm pretty sure it was the alpinist the guy yes. that went up el toro or whatever mm-hmm. and like the I, I remember watching it and just being like the... that was a hundred million percent an addiction for him oh, oh my gosh it was the, the the free climbing i just was like sir I, it's it's just beyond what i could think and i loved how she talked about like how they're like oh like it's the hippocamp was it the hippocampus mm-hmm. i believe or yes. like all these doctors like you know he just doesn't register pain the same way and he's like no actually i just like really pushed myself so much that mm-hmm. my comfort zone is wider i know what i'm capable of it's not like i'm you know i and this is specific with alex the other guy i don't know about, yeah but, but like how he's like I, you know it's not like i have a death wish kind of thing i just know that what my skill set is and i i don't push beyond it is what i kind of took it as well and specifically with alex honnell it was so interesting because like you know he he's scaling el capitan without a rope but then she describes that he almost had a panic attack before he got in the mri machine <laughs> we all got something yeah the alpinist is a super interesting uh it's a really great documentary i believe that it's on netflix it I was say it was i don't know i don't know if it might it yeah there. so if I you like there. if you like free solo and alex honnell um this guy whose name is escaping me i think he has like maybe even a french last name he's canadian <sighs> Um, he was an ice climber, uh, and he was a free soloing ice climber, which is maybe the most reckless, scariest thing that you can do. And he actually pulled off some pretty amazing things, but, uh, yeah, highly recommend. Mark Andre Leclerc. There you go. There you Whenever, go. Whenever just, I, people need to watch that just to watch him climbing up a freaking frozen, uh, waterfall because <sighs> me, <laughs> I, I, me watching him do it i was fearful for his life and where he just was very like cool calm and collected i was <laughs> so i don't know maybe there is seriously some i was what? the child that like wouldn't even climb up on like the really high slides 
<laughs> like, there's no way. There has never been a day a person has seen me in a car without a seatbelt on. I am a, you know what I mean? I'm an adrenaline junkie if it comes to things like a safe roller coaster that I'm strapped into. You know what I mean? Yeah, I've got my my safety harness. Feel the same way. (laughs) Feel exactly the same way. But um, there's also a very interesting part of this book when she's talking about pleasure and pain. Which, like, we all, or a lot of us have experienced that. We're like, oh, we don't want to work out. We don't want to work out. We don't want to work out. And then you exercise and then you feel really good, right? Mm-hmm. But she was talking about, like, um, how in rats, like, a, a, oh, running, a running wheel, <laughs> like, the actual wheel that they run on becomes a drug for them. Um, and I think we've all seen, like, those videos on TikTok of, like, when the mice go really, really insane, they go all the way around. And there was a study that someone did where they put a running wheel like out in a field or in like in an alley, like places where you don't have just lab mice and they watched I it. it. I was thinking like New York City subway. Seriously. You know what I mean? Like the little rats you see. Yes. Just- <laughs> and that like rats would like pilgrimage there to go run on that thing because it was so fun and it was like so different for them than just like scurrying about. Um, and like slugs there was shrews voles like <laughs> everybody was up on this <laughs> running <totally>. wheel <laughs> like oh. going to town on it and i just thought that was so interesting because that the rat would choose to run on the wheel over something like going into like a really cool habitat that has like a maze and a pit and a extra treats and all this stuff that they would pick the spinning wheel over that and it the, just something about how it fires up their brain the fact that they're picking that over their like natural instinct to scavenge food or yes. you know what i mean to take care of their young or like what <laughs> they're going over the behavioral instincts that they've you know been I don't know, born with to have a little fun. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. Me. Um, I think the last big story that I at least wrote down notes on, she, t- I got to think of what the story was. It was the woman was very <coughs> religious because I wrote down that she yeah. talked about like church growers are gen or generally less likely to have addiction problems. But when they do, they're also less likely to really get help because yeah. it's like from a cultural a point, right? It's like, uh, oh, uh, well, don't don't do that or like you know go mm-hmm. go repent and then uh come on come on back here right but, you know it's like people i read a thing was it on i was on i think it was an instagram story but it was like i'm really having problems in my marriage should i go to a licensed therapist or do you think is church <laughs> therapy enough and everybody like literally hundreds of comments like please i know don't go to the church therapy get to a licensed therapist asap seriously save your marriage honey <laughs> And also, your pastor, preacher, probably doesn't want to hear that either. They want you to go see a therapist. You so correct. I don't want to shame anybody for taking meds. Like, I think meds wow. are amazing for a lot of people. And, like, as someone has who has personally been in therapy, I totally understand why it's not a sustainable thing for many people for the for the length of time that you might really need it to be right. because of t- 
time, because of money, because of you just can't find the right fit. Like not all therapists, the, the amount of created equal uh, things also that you could be working through could be like, you know, years long worth of seriously. <laughs> and you, you have to have a certain amount of awareness to even get through the door yeah first of all yep and this goes back to you got to be in the right place mentally you have you know you have to accept yes. like oh here's the place yeah well, the the last the last note i have it was something that i was really surprised by but then after i thought about it, i was like oh she had like a study that said like people like how often they lie a day <gasps> and it yes. really it wasn't as high as i thought it was going to be but it was like every person lies. It was like at least like once a day. And she had like a specific number. And I was thinking, oh, and I was thinking like, oh, like, I don't think I lie once a day. And then I was thinking like, I don't, I don't tell like a big extravagant lie, but like when my kids are like, oh, are we going to the park? And I'm like, yeah, maybe <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not being honest where I'm like, there's absolutely no way I'm taking you at 90 degrees weather Seriously. to a park today or, you know, whatever. Or maybe I will slightly exaggerate, you know, something. Or like, yes. Graham, I was up two hours with the baby last night and maybe it was an hour and a half or, you yeah. know, so I was like, okay. that's Yeah. <laughs> and she was preaching radical honesty. Oh, yes. I loved where she gave the little, the base, like a really small example, basically of her eating her children's chocolate bunnies yeah. and her kids, like, like she nibbled on it long and long. And by the time the kids found out about it, they're gone. When I tell you, I identified so hard with that. And I was like, yes, I have eaten the majority of my kids Halloween candy <laughs> before. Yes. And have I been honest about it? At this point, they haven't asked, but I'm like, mm-hmm. I do know there will be a point where there's going to be like, hold on here. Right. I, I'm aware of realizing that what was once 12 pieces is now three. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I love, you know, she's like, you know what, in our family, we want to set the precedent of not lying and we want to mm-hmm. keep this as a core family value. And she just talked about like how that helps or it can really like help with dealing with your addictions it's like just that that honesty with yourself and with people around you yeah I really liked that too and I I was thinking about it I'm like who is the most honest person that I know and I think far and away it is my husband Jared is the most honest person like to a fault and sometimes it's almost like because I actually related to her in this chapter when she's like even to this day my personality is that I still have the temptation to like amp up a story just a little bit or right. um, hyperbole in some way. And I'm like, oh, that is me for sure. Because it almost like it's, fu- it's just feels right. fun or silly or whatever it is. That's and the problem is it's not coming from a wicked, you know what I mean? Like no. bad place. I'm not no. lying that I'm like, you know, about having an affair. It's like, yeah, I'm lying to make a story funnier. Yes. <laughs> or, or, you know, to give it that little oomph that maybe it needs. <laughs> I almost feel like it's a Southern culture thing too. Exaggeration. It doesn't. Yes. The exaggeration, the tall tale type of telling where, and obviously you can use hyperbole and I think it's fine, but there is a line there. And I do feel she talks about how lying like the, and we all, I think, you know, this, I know this, but like the more you lie, it's like an addiction. It, it, yeah, it just, it snowballs on itself. And it's so interesting to me because 
I feel like little kids, we were talking about this the other day, about how, like, our little kids will lie sometimes, my children especially. I have one child who will just, <laughs> who will tell me something that is such a bald face lie and then go, <laughs> but you don't need to tell anybody about that. <laughs> AKA, if you don't tell anybody, no one will That's ever know right. the lies that I have fun. And she's a very intelligent little girl. And so you can see the wheels like turning, like, listen here. <laughs> I know that if, as soon as she asks ask this person, like the jig is up. But yeah, I'm like, huh. Okay, I need to like not be a, I don't know, telling ex- Jared, telling Jared, right? Not telling Jared <laughs> that he's like ruining my fun for calling me out for exaggerating, <laughs> and I need to be more like Jared and just <laughs> tell it, tell it to you straight. My grandma used to have this story of a person. I will not even go into details. You think about the person, <laughs> but a person that was a pathological liar that she knew, and that it it would just be. She's like, it would just be so bizarre, like you know, not a big portion of just yeah. like little small things. And grandma would be like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that is a bald face lie. Keep on going, honey. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so sad. Anyways, this book I did learn. I felt like I learned so much. Just several of the studies are you know just like mm-hmm. I was even if I didn't relate to a lot of what was going on I definitely learned a lot and it was definitely I would definitely like you said like to hear more that's a little bit more about things that either are bothers to me or things that I'm a little more interested in with like the compulsive shopping yeah. um, oh there was another one I had that I was thinking about where like you know cert- certain things that she talked about a lot in this book didn't perhaps relate to me or I or, hope they never have to relate to me. I'll tell you that much. But yes, I it was. Then again, there are stories in here of people like this guy who gets into Stanford, for example. Oh, and my. That story. I, <laughs> I cannot believe that. He basically he becomes addicted to. I don't what is he even doing all kinds of drugs hey eventually. i think yeah he starts off small I, I, he had like like a very severe case of social anxiety yeah and like he and he would change his majors every you know like oh like i want to do this major but i'd have to stand in front of and do public speaking and, right. and instead i'll do this but mm-hmm. i'm actually depressed because i actually hate this subject yeah i'm gonna take a bunch of drugs <laughs> and then anyway he, how many times did he go to the school at least five times Lacey. i could i was like sir i wish i had your determination right i mean because just... i would have been like i'm a loser after the first time and would have never went back seriously and i don't mean that as a dig i mean that like honestly like he really he obviously had the intellect mm-hmm. and like could have done it but like he was definitely holding himself back and had to just yeah so on our next episode, we're going to be talking about Born a Crime by Trevor Noah, another uh, nonfiction, which we're doing lots of nonfiction this this um, season compared to last seasons. But this is a memoir, and I'm very excited about it. I My hold has come up on this book probably like three times, but because Me I've too. been reading other books. Okay, well, we're probably the same little thing. I just put another hold back on it today. And I'm fifth in line, so. Okay. It's very popular. (laughs) It'll be soon. And also, uh, there is a young reader version, so make sure you get the adult version. Oh, (laughs) gosh. Oh, well. I guess as long as one of us reads it. (laughs) We'll figure it out. (laughs) 
All right. Well, with that, I guess it is finally bedtime. <sighs> okay. So I have nothing <laughs> left to give. Okay. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. <laughs> This has been One Page More. Thanks for listening. Please leave us a five-star review. <laughs> <laughs> it, it sounds so-